Do the Philadelphia Eagles have the best roster in the NFL? We talk about that, the Russell Wilson extension, and more coming up next on Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Monday, so that means you have me, Kevin Ostreicher, the host of Locked On Ravens. Thank you so much for making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. That includes over on YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. First time users can receive 100% instant deposit match on up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. And we're back here in that countdown that we've all had for so long for NFL football. It all comes down to Thursday as we are finally less than one week away from football. And here today on Monday, we're going to be breaking down the biggest stories with our local experts from across our network. We're going to be diving into the Russell Wilson extension, whether that was a good move by the Denver Broncos with Sarah Bedinger of Locked On Broncos here in our first segment. In the second segment, we'll talk with Gino Camilleri about the Philadelphia Eagles and if they have the best roster in the NFL after the moves to acquire Chauncey Gardner-Johnson as well as Trey Sermon. And then in the final segment, I'll be bringing you home, talking about the other stories from the past week here, talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, Trayvon Mullen, Alex Leatherwood, Harold Landry, and more. So let's now talk about that Russell Wilson extension with Sarah Benger and Locked On Broncos and what it means for Denver moving forward. Well, the Denver Broncos making a huge splash over the past week in the extension of quarterback Russell Wilson. And here to break it all down with me is Sarah Benger of Locked On Broncos. And Sarah, the Broncos extending quarterback Russell Wilson, a five-year, $245 million deal. You have $165 million of that guaranteed. I mean, this is a massive extension for one of the best quarterbacks in this league. I mean, how shocking was it that you got a deal done now and maybe not, maybe next offseason? Well, I think it was really shocking just with all the different moving parts. You know, the Broncos have a first-year head coach. Russell Wilson hasn't played it down with the team yet, not even in preseason. They kept him out of the preseason. And you got new ownership group in, the Walton Penner ownership group that's just taken over the franchise. And so you kind of felt like with all these moving parts, maybe they'll just kind of table things because you, you're not typically seeing these quarterback deals get done during the season. I know you and I were talking off the air about Lamar Jackson and kind of how there's a deadline with the season coming up so certainly I thought along with I think pretty much everybody else in Broncos country that hey we're gonna get a deal done with Russell Wilson at some point that was the language everybody had been using it just kind of felt like maybe in the future you know next offseason but here we are and the Denver Broncos have struck up a deal and it's one of the richest in league history it's certainly the biggest in Broncos history definitely I think everybody in Broncos country surprised by the news yeah, and for Wilson, a player, I know guaranteed money has been a huge conversation point over the course of these last couple months with the Deshaun Watson 230 fully guaranteed. Do you have $165 million guaranteed for Russell Wilson? And I know with these couple of big quarterback extensions, we saw it with Kyler Murray too. It almost felt like there was a sigh of relief from a lot of people that 
the Watson contract at this point feels like more of an outlier than it is a precedent for the rest of these deals. I mean, did you expect guaranteed money to be around where it was for Wilson or where were you on that? That's a, that's a good question. Cause I, I hadn't really like, like I said, I was expecting next year. So I kind of just, I was kind of waiting for all these other deals to come in to kind of reevaluate after the season. Okay. Where, where might we come down on the numbers? You kind of figure Russell Wilson might land somewhere in between Aaron Rodgers and these other guys that have been signing deals. Josh Allen, I believe is right. 43 million per year, average annual value, something like, so you kind of expected between 50 and 43, but I, I mean, I think Broncos fans are excited to be able to have a quarterback that's worth paying this kind of money to just because that hasn't been the case since Peyton Manning was around. So certainly it's one of those situations where the guaranteed money, I, I mean, you love to see for, for a guy like Russell Wilson, you, you can tell, I mean, Broncos country has fully embraced him. He seems like a really genuine guy. He seems like somebody who's he's changing the culture of the team for the better. And he's given, he's renewed the excitement for the franchise. He's given those championship hopes back to, to the fans that are sitting in the stands and watching on TV. So I think, from that perspective, like the guaranteed money, it's kind of like, well, I mean, good for Russell Wilson type of thing, you know, $165 million, $57 million in his pocket in 2022 with the bonus that he got and everything like that, which I, I, I heard is the second most with behind Matthew Stafford at like $61.5 million. So, I mean, Russell Wilson is doing well for himself. He's got the slogan. He's got his bank account full. I mean, everybody's happy in Broncos country. Yeah, and there are always these questions there when you're talking about players who were traded for, who were in line for big extensions, about what like negotiation leverage almost do they have here? And the Broncos obviously giving up picks for Russell Wilson, multiple talented players for Russell Wilson. Do you think that factored in at all here? I think it did just because, you know, the general manager, George Payton, for uh, for anybody that's listening, George, John Elway, he's not the general manager anymore. We still get that question uh, pretty often, by the way. Uh, George Payton come over from the Minnesota Vikings last year. He's the new general manager. And you could tell when they made this move, like this was his priority. It, it, I, I guess it was kind of just a foregone conclusion between the two sides that Russell Wilson kind of picked to the Broncos in part because of, you know, the situation long term there in terms of he, he wants to be there for a long time the Broncos wanted him to be there for a long time and I think that's why you did see an extension happen as quickly as it did especially I mean it's been it hasn't even been a month since the the new ownership group took over so I mean we're talking about this deal happening quickly this is obviously something that they had talked about for a long time since Russell got to Denver and then you bring the new ownership up to speed and thankfully the new ownership is like hey let the football guys do the football things and everybody's on the same page so you really kind of I mean from an organization standpoint from a business standpoint from a team building standpoint roster construction all that stuff it's just a really good good deal with a, a really good vibes around it right I mean that's exactly what you want to see teams do when you acquire a quarterback like this you don't you're not necessarily making this move as a hey here's a, a bandage for this season or here's some here's something to make the fans happy it's like no we're actually building around this guy and we're gonna put the I mean we're gonna put it out there the, the proof is in the pudding that 165 million like you said I mean that that speaks volumes right there there it does and i think another thing that broncos country obviously is very excited for is the pure upgrade at the quarterback position i mean last year the broncos they had teddy bridgewater there drew lock in there as well he's now in seattle part of that trade but sarah just how big it's obviously a huge one but how big of an upgrade do you have here going from those types of players like the teddy bridgewaters and drew locks of the world to again one of the best quarterbacks in this league in russell wilson what can he bring to the table 
Yeah, it's it's huge. It's a huge upgrade. And all due respect to Teddy Bridgewater, who I know he played hard for the Broncos last year, and and Drew Locke as well. A lot of faith put into him by a lot of fans, and he's a former second round pick. High hopes coming out of Missouri and things like that. But it is a huge upgrade. I mean, you can just tell. Obviously, everybody knows what Russell Wilson brings to the table, and one of those things is consistency. Like he's always been good. I, I know Broncos fans know all too well how good Russell Wilson has been. He's he's got the better of them a number of times one of them I've completely blocked out of my brain Kevin just like the Baltimore Ravens the year before Russell Wilson got the Broncos in the Super Bowl so man it's he's just he is what he is he's an elite quarterback in the NFL and what he brings to the table is that consistency and I think you can see just everybody else on the team kind of responding to that like the the guys on the defense he makes them better and and I think the expectation from the players on the roster is so much different now you're not talking about Hey, well, we, we're getting behind Teddy or we're getting behind Drew. Everybody knows that Russell's the guy. Everybody's following his lead instead of kind of just, well, you know, Teddy's our quarterback. No, it's it's Russell is the guy and we're following his lead. And everybody, you can just tell the organization how they're responding to him as the quarterback. It's been tremendous. So in terms of on-field impact, we all kind of know what to expect from Russell Wilson. He's a great quarterback. But in terms of just the intangibles, how he makes everybody around him better, I think that's going to be the key thing that we'll see Broncos country. I mean, we'll see the best of certain guy like Cortland Sutton. I, for example, you know, I think we'll see the best version of Cortland Sutton that we've seen. Not a lot of national NFL people talk about Cortland Sutton, but now we got an elite quarterback in the mix. I think that's going to change and that's going to happen for a lot of different guys as well. Right. And so kind of going off of that, Sarah, it's a simple question I'm going to ask you here, but is Russell Wilson the right quarterback to lead the Broncos to where they want to go this year? I believe so. I really do. I think that, like I said before, I feel like he renews kind of your championship hopes as a franchise. And and that's all that you can ask in the NFL. You have to have quarterback play in order to get there in the end and to be there in the end. And that's just the way that it is, especially in the AFC West. where You're going up against Patrick Mahomes. You're going up against Justin Herbert, Derek Carr. Those different types of things, even just coming out of that gauntlet is going to be huge. But just for the Broncos to get to the playoffs, to have a guy like Russell Wilson that's battle tested, a guy that's you know played MVP caliber football before. What more could you ask if you're the Denver Broncos right now with two other teams in the division? All due respect to the Raiders and Derek Carr, but you've got two teams in the division that have superstars that they've drafted within the last five years. And that's not something that you can just go out and say compete with, right? You can't just say, well, we'll just draft somebody and it'll work out. I mean, that doesn't happen for every NFL team, right? And the Broncos have found that out the hard way over the last six years since Peyton Manning has been gone. But now you have a quarterback that can give you that MVP caliber play for an extended period of time. To me, that that I mean, that gives you the chance to compete against Mahomes. It gives you the chance to compete long term against Justin Herbert, even Derek Carr with Devontae Adams, Josh McDaniels. They'll do a good job. So I think that's that exactly is why he's the right guy for this team. He's going to be able to give the Broncos a fighting chance in a division where they previously didn't really have one. Right. And you're right. It's not just a, a this year thing. This is obviously the extension means Russell Wilson is going to be there for what assumingly is going to be a very long time. And Sarah, I'll, I'll wrap it up here with you by saying, do the Denver Broncos have enough to compete in that loaded AFC West and compete for that division title? 
I do think so, honestly. And I know that a lot of people, you know, they might think, well, that's just the Broncos guy talking up the Broncos and certain things like that. But really behind the scenes, I mean, if you haven't been following the team closely for the last couple of years, you might have missed that They're really building something strong on both sides of the ball. I mean, Pat Sertan, the second, one of the best young defensive backs in the game. Justin Simmons, one of the best safeties. I think a lot of people are going to learn about Draymond Jones this year. You got healthy Bradley Chubb. You got Randy Gregory coming over from the Cowboys. So the defense is going to be good. The offense with Russell Wilson, everybody expects it to be way better. And I think those playmakers that he has at his disposal, even without Tim Patrick, who's out for the season, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon anchoring that running game. You got Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, and and a number of other guys offensively that are going to be really good for him. So it's a good roster that Russell Wilson is joining. I think that is a big reason why the Broncos are going to be super competitive in 2022 and beyond is because of that, because he's going to make all those guys better. Yeah. Well, Sarah, I think that Denver, again, that AFC West, the best division of football, in my opinion, they made the moves to stack up to those teams. I'm excited to see if they can again, compete for that division title for sure. I appreciate you hopping on here with me. Thanks so much. Thank you. Denver seems pretty primed to make a run of that AFC West title in a very talented division. Again, one of the best, I think the best in football personally, but we'll head into our first break here on Lockdown NFL. Still a ton to talk about. Let me get back. We'll be diving into if the Philadelphia Eagles have the best roster in the NFL. So be sure to stay tuned. We still have a ton to talk about here on the show. But first, I do want to tell you a bit about prize picks and fantasy has been in my life for really as long as I can remember it. I've very fond memories and I still do it even to this day. And with prize picks, it's super easy to use. And there are a ton of current entries you can make. You can win up to 10 times money on any entry. Just pick two to five players. And if they will go score more or less than their prize picks projection, there's no competing against other people. So it's you versus the projections available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. That includes the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, the NHL, PGA, college football, college basketball, and so much more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They have safe and fast withdrawals, and you currently have it operational over, over 30 states, including also Canada. And download the PricePix app or go to pricepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users are going to receive 100%. This is a deposit match of up to $100. The promo code locked on if you deposit $100. Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Price Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit of match of up to $100. We're back here. Our second segment of locked on NFL. Kevin Ostriker, your host, still here with you. And we're not going to dive into the Philadelphia Eagles with Gino Camilleri of locked on Eagles. Talking about if they have the best roster in the NFL and diving in their move to acquire Chauncey Gardner Johnson, the move to trade away. Jalen Rager, and so much more. So let's dive into that now about that Philadelphia Eagles team. Well, the Philadelphia Eagles were an extremely busy franchise last week. Multiple moves being made. And here to break that all down with me here is one of the hosts of Locked On Eagles, Gino Camilleri. And Gino, there's a lot of stuff that goes into this Eagles roster. And honestly, we're going to talk about what there's one of the best in a couple of minutes here. But let's start off with the Chauncey Gardner-Johnson trade. I mean, a player that is so versatile and can do so many different things on a defense. How shocking was it that Howie Roseman was able to pull off a move like this? I would have to say going back to Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's draft year, this whole thing has just been an enigma. A first-round talent who falls all the way to the fourth round ends up going to the Saints, which already have a very deep backfield. At the time, they had Malcolm Jenkins, Marcus Williams, you have Marshawn Lattimore, and he was able to go in there and play in sub packages right away, which got him that NFL experience. 
And I equate him almost to, and I'm hoping so, Nicobe Dean, a player who there were question marks coming out of college, slips a little bit, and the production is there. And you've seen that with Chauncey. And it's not just playing single high safety. It's not just the quote-unquote strong or box safety. What he does really encompasses the modern generation of defensive backs. Can you be versatile? Can you be multiple? Can you go back in cover three and be a single high when called upon? Could you be a two high shell cover four type of safety that is asked to do a lot of things, defend in those intermediate areas, come down and defend the alley against the run? And then at the same time, can you play man up at the line of scrimmage against big body tight ends, big bodied slot receivers? And Chauncey has done that at a very high level. And for the compensation that they gave up to get a quality player, somebody who's coming off of their first contract is still at the prime of their career. And Howie Roseman capitalized on that market inefficiency. I know for you in Baltimore, we could go back to the Timmy Jernigan trade a couple years ago. It seems very similar, almost a pick swap type of thing. You take a player that the team doesn't want to pay for and you cash in on that. And I would fully see him getting an extension here maybe even before week four or five of the season, because they don't have depth there. And would I say I was shocked by this? Absolutely. Did they have to make an upgrade at safety? Without a doubt. Did I think it was going to be this late in the season and as good of a player as Chauncey Gardner-Johnson? Absolutely not. And for minimal, minimal assets that they gave up, this thing could turn into a very low-risk high reward type of signing because now since Malcolm Jenkins is gone, Rodney McLeod is gone. You don't have that veteran presence back there that led you to the Super Bowl. and going back nearly 15 to 20 years, you've never had the balance at cornerback with safety. It's always been one or the other. And now you can say they might be set there for the next couple of years or so. And Thank goodness, man. I, I'm a big proponent of safety. I'm very jealous of what you guys do in Baltimore. You just load up on those things like they're going out of style. That's the modern way of the NFL. Can you have multiple guys that can defend space in multiple different looks in multiple different ways? Yeah, and I'm telling you, Timmy Jernigan, man, that's a name I have not heard in a long time. But, yeah, coming over from Philadelphia to Baltimore there. I mean, Gino, when you look at this offense, though, there are a couple players, a couple moves that Harry Roseman made here. Let's start off with Jalen Rager. Now, there was a lot to be said about the Jalen Rager pick, even when it happened, taking Mm -hmm. him over Justin Jefferson. And obviously, it did not work out for him in Philadelphia. Rager going over to the Minnesota Vikings here. Just what went wrong for Jalen Rager in Philadelphia, Gino? And now are you, I'd say, relieved that he is now out of Philadelphia uniform, and now that opens up more playing time for some of the other guys on the roster? I would say I'm relieved for all parties involved. It wasn't a good situation right off the bat because everybody that had ever watched a college football game realized that Justin Jefferson in that offense, he was going to be a player in the NFL. And Jalen Rager, yes, he does have traits. He's explosive. I mean, he ran one of the fastest 40 times that year. Not as good as he should have because of that lower half stiffness that we discovered as he came into the NFL. He wasn't a polished product, and he got in his head too quickly. He was a guy that would focus on a lot of the negative that was being said about him off the field. And within the last year or so, he's had a really rough year. He loses one of his best friends from TCU, Jeff Gladney. And he loses very close family members. So he had a lot of things 
that happened off the field, which made plain in Philadelphia, which is the bad side of the city where the media will get on you if you're not performing, regardless of the reason, it just never seemed to work out with him. And once Nick Sirianni came to town, it seemed to be that the writing was on the wall because he was drafted under under that last regime. He was drafted here when Joe Douglas was the second in command to Howie Roseman. He went on to the Jets. He's no longer there. And Howie Roseman seems to be under this new paradigm where he, where he is okay of ridding high overall picks to move on and set himself up for success. If you look at the Carson Wentz trade, for example, he knew that he had to get out of that Titanic sinking ship before it went down and it set them up with versatility and the avail- the ability to be, I would say, overall have many options going into the future. Now, Jalen Rager is going to open up the offense for other guys that should get opportunities. It's not going to give you as much cap flexibility and all the stuff that Carson Wentz gave you. But now it allows Jalen Rager to go and hopefully be at peace outside of Philadelphia. It's a tough place to play, man. Even in this media market, you go on my Twitter, you'll see people just making fun of anything. That I wear a hat, that I pull my hair back. It it happens. And Jalen Rager, he's going to go to Minnesota in an environment where he's now with a guy who was drafted before him. And that has been, I would say, his biggest nemesis. Let's see if they could coexist because if this works out, the Philadelphia Eagles could recoup a fourth-round pick for a player that they basically had no need for, somebody that everybody thought was going to be cut, and inevitably they were able to get a fourth-round pick back, which for the Eagles has turned into high-quality players. Defensive end, Josh Sweat, they drafted him in the fourth round a couple of years ago, and now he's their number two outside of Hassan Riddick. So they value picks no matter how high or how low, because without mortgaging the present, they set themselves up for the future, which has bit the Eagles in the past, setting up their team the way they did after 2017, where it was more focused on the now. They're not giving up the now. They're focusing on the now, but at the same time, looking at how can we maximize the future. And I think this is just another move under the Howie Roseman tree that falls into that category. If you look at the J.J. Ortega-Whiteside move earlier this offseason, they trade him to Seattle for Hugo Almaty, who then they shipped to Tennessee eight days later. Well, look at that pick that they got in that deal. It ended up being part of the Chauncey Gardner-Johnson trade. So you never know what can happen with these moves. Always give yourself swings of the bat, whether it's in the draft or whether it's the ability to acquire players through trade by giving up future assets. You have to have that ammunition. And Howie Roseman, this next year, after what he has done, Still with two first-round draft picks going into next year. I don't want to talk about next offseason because this regular season is going to be fun. But, man, if things don't go how they plan, they're just going to recoup and keep going on to next year. Yeah, and, and, you know, you talk about how you can never really predict these moves and how things happen. I mean, the 49ers cutting Trey Sermon and what was a pretty shocking Mm -hmm. move throughout the whole NFL. The Eagles go and they pick him up. How does he slot into this Philadelphia backfield that has guys like Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott already there? Well, first off, they're compiling Jalen Hurts' entire offense from Oklahoma when he was there. They they drafted Grant Calcaterra in the fifth round this year, who was his former tight end. They bring in Trey Sermon now. And what Sermon will bring, he's not going to be a 20-25 snap guy. He might not even get 10 snaps a game. But what he will bring to this offense and to this backfield is a perfect complement to the three that they have there. 
Because when you look at Miles Sanders, you look at Boston Scott, you look at Kenny Gainwell, the first thing you think of is the lack of size, in my opinion. They are explosive. They all can catch the ball out of the backfield. But Trey Sermon is built like a guy who can get you those dirty yards. Who They don't have that player anymore because Jordan Howard isn't here. All indications are that he's not coming back. They had a hole there. And the way that they've carried four running backs in the past, it surprised me when they went into the 53-man cutdown with only three on the roster. But Howie Roseman being Howie Roseman, his pro personnel staff is always looking at ways to improve in the margins. And Trey Sermon, he might not be your RB1, 2, or 3, but he'll be a player where you look back and say, oh, how did we score on that first down? Oh, because we picked up this third and two, third and three by running an inside zone look, by getting Trey Sermon, who is an efficient mover inside the tackles. And with this Eagles offensive line the way it is, I expect him to be that guy that when you need that push in the middle, you don't want to give Jalen Hurts too many opportunities to carry the football. If somebody is hurt and somebody needs to step up, Trey Sermon can be that complement player, that role player. That's all they're going to ask of him. If he can fill into that role, which they have had over the past few years, even going back to the Super Bowl year with LeGarrette Blunt, where they needed a one-cut runner inside A-gap, B-gap type of runner, they don't have that right now, but now they have it with Trey Sermon, in my opinion. Give him six to eight touches a game. If he equates to 30, 40 yards a game, I could absolutely see that with how effective the Eagles offensive line has been over the past couple of years. Right. And with all those moves in mind, you know, you know, you talk about Tronzy Gardner Johnson and Trey Sermon and even the move of Jalen Rager going away from Philadelphia. Do the Philadelphia Eagles have the best roster in the NFL based on what they already had plus the moves they've made? Those are your words. They're not mine. I think that they have one of the better rosters in the NFC. I would say you can make an easy, easy argument that they have a top three roster in the NFC right now. You could probably match them up with the Rams on defense. Maybe they check a few more boxes there. I think the Rams offense has more firepower. As with Tampa right now with Tom Brady, you can't count him out. But Green Bay takes a step back. Seattle loses Russell Wilson. The NFC South, outside of Tampa, you're looking at a Saints team that's entrusting their offense to Jameis Winston. And I don't know about the Panthers. I don't know about Atlanta. I don't know about the rest of the NFC North. I don't care for the Cowboys being a perennial Super Bowl contender with them getting worse. The Eagles have only gotten better. And with how much that they've downgraded in the NFC as a whole, they should, without a doubt, be a top three seed. Looking at the AFC, too, that's a tough thing to say that they have the best roster in the NFL, let alone the NFC. Overall, when it's all said and done, could we look back and say, yeah, they had one of the top five rosters this year? I think that should be the benchmark because they've had a top five offensive line. Their defense should only get better with the players that they have brought in. You bring in A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts should be more effective in his second year after his second or his first full offseason, rather. This should be, without a doubt, a top three team, if not a team that's playing for a bye week towards the end of the year. If they were in the conversation to be a 12 to 13 win team fighting for a one seed going into week 17, 18, I wouldn't say you're too far out of the realm of possibility. 
you know, there's no doubt that Philadelphia has made plenty of upgrades this offseason across both offense and defense. And I'm excited to see how it all pans out for him here in 2022. But, Gino, I appreciate you hopping on. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. And best of luck to your Ravens. The Eagles seem now to be the favorite in that NFC East to take that division crown. I know the Cowboys had a very resurgent year for them last year, but now we'll see if they can defend that crown against Philadelphia, who has certainly made a ton of moves there. But coming up next on the show, I'm going to be taking you through the rest of the biggest stories throughout the week, talking Jimmy Garoppolo, Harold Landry, Alex Otherwood, and so much more. So be sure to stay tuned. We still have a ton to talk about here on Locked On NFL. We're back here with our final segment of Locked On NFL. Kevin Ostriker, your host, still hanging out with you here. And thank you again for making Locked On NFL your first listen today. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, follow along with us in audio form. And also, now for your second listen, check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022, an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. Local team experts of the Locked On Podcast Network, plus betting angle from Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets, all combining into one Ultimate NFL Preview. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast, but let's now dive into the remaining big stories throughout the week. I'm, I'm going to be taking you through these a little bit. And so let's start off with, I think the biggest remaining story that we have, or at least one of them in the Jimmy Garoppolo news now seem pretty likely, even if you wanted to go back a week ago, that Jimmy Garoppolo would not be on the San Francisco 49ers roster in week one, but now it looks like he's going to be on that roster for the entire season as the 49ers and Garoppolo restructured their deal. And now you have Garoppolo on a one-year $6.5 million contract. And then after that is over, Garoppolo can explore his options and, and pick a team that, that's best for him. Now, obviously, San Francisco moving forward with Trey Lance as their starter, Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously led that team to a Super Bowl just a couple of years ago. So he's had the success. He's had the playoff success and playoff experience, but the 49ers obviously wanted to get younger there. They feel like Trey Lance is the future. He has shown plenty of promise and has plenty of traits to do that. Grapplaw, on the other hand, though, is still a starter in this league. You know, you, you can say that with confidence. Is he the best starter in the league? No, but I think he still has the ability to start. There were a lot of destination picks for him when there was the possibility that he would be traded even outright released, you know, you had Cleveland there, the Sean Watson situation, maybe Seattle with the Russell Wilson trade where you have Geno Smith and Drew Locke over there. But I think this is a solid overall move for both sides. I mean, mainly I feel like San Francisco here, they don't have to release Garoppolo and incur, you know, whatever money they would have to incur. And I think after the whole thing is done, Garoppolo, instead of maybe having to go to a situation where he's traded and doesn't want to go there, he can just play out the year in San Francisco, make the $6.5 million, then go explore his options while still being a mentor to Trey Lance. And in the event of an injury, obviously you, you never hope that, but in the event of an injury, he would step in there and I think play some obviously meaningful snaps there as the starter. A, a little shocking, in fact, I think I think a lot shocking for a lot of people, but I think that at the end of the day, when you kind of take a step back and look at it, you think, hey, you know what, that, that's a it's a solid move overall. But San Francisco, we talked about the Trey Sermon move with Juno Camilleria of Locked on Eagles in the second segment. I mean, it felt like a shocker. Sermon was somebody who, obviously the San Francisco running back room is an interesting one. I mean, you have Elijah Mitchell there. You see where he most go to Miami, so he's no longer there. And then you have a couple of other new contributors coming in, you know, I feel like, though, with Debo Samuel there, he's obviously he, – he took on more of the run, a rusher role as the season went on. <laughs> won a lot of people, a lot of fantasy leagues, and won San Francisco a lot of games last year. So I think for him, 
the need for Sermon might not just have been as big there. The Eagles picking up, I think, a very talented young runner. And I think for San Francisco moving off him, I think, again, a lot of shocking moves for San Francisco for them over the course of cut down week. But I think another pretty shocking move throughout the league was Alex Leatherwood in his release from the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, I know for the people who obviously, you know, you're looking at Alex Leatherwood has not had the start to the NFL career that many in Las Vegas would have hoped he did. Just not good at all. And I think the release, like he was one of the worst tackles in the NFL last season. He's been one of the worst tackles ever since he entered the NFL. He was picked, I think, far too high by Las Vegas in that draft. Las Vegas has not been a not been a, an amazing early round drafting team over the course of the last many handful of years. Only a couple guys really making very positive impacts for a very long time. And I think now this is the latest, just I guess, failed experiment by this Raiders team. You have a new head coach coming in, new new management coming in. They want to make it theirs, right? They they want to figure out, hey, how can we shape the roster to what we want it to be? Alex Littlewood not in those plans, getting claimed by the Chicago Bears. So that whole rookie deal going over to Chicago. And there's another project over there in Tevin Jenkins, who I know a very, almost like consensus first round pick for most of the draft process, ends up falling to the second round to Chicago. So they, they now have two projects, and Alex Leatherwood and Tevin Jenkins over there. You also talk about the Trayvon Mullen trade going from the Raiders to the Cardinals. The Cardinals had a big, big need at cornerback. Mullen, somebody who I think can fill in there. Pretty nicely. He's he's actually a pretty solid corner. I, I like the way he plays for Las Vegas. They, they didn't get much back for him. So it, it feels like the Cardinals came out here with a steal for a player that I think can help them, especially for this year with how thin they were at that position. You also look at Harold Landry, a player for Tennessee who had 12 sacks for them last season. A huge, huge part of that defense. Terrace's ACL just absolutely brutal for that defense that I think has a lot of really nice pieces on it. And Tennessee's obviously looking to repeat as the, as the top seed in the AFC. Obviously had a disappointing finish in those playoffs against Cincinnati in an upset, but I think that for them, they're going to have to find a big way to replace him. They obviously have Bud Dupree on the other side there, so they were going to rely on that pass rushing duo of Landry and Dupree for another season. But, you know, they're going to have to go maybe find an outside option there. Maybe they can rely on their depth and, and stuff along those lines. And we'll wrap up here, an, an injury update on the Ravens mascot, Poe, who if you haven't seen the, the video or heard the news, he suffered a serious injury in the youth versus mascot football game at the Ravens halftime show. Uh, the Ravens and Commanders preseason game had to get carted off the field. So there were images and videos circulating about that. And John Harbaugh said that he suffered a serious injury to his drumstick. So uh, he will be out for... For a long time, but the Poe Revenge Tour is coming strong in 2023. Baltimore dealt with a plethora of injuries in 2021. So, unfortunately for Poe, you know, obviously, well wishes to him. <laughs> Hopefully, he can recover soon. Obviously, you never want to see anybody go down like that. But I mean, for, for Baltimore, yeah, if, if that had happened in 2021 and Poe had gone down then, I mean, it would just been like, oh, another thing on top of everything else. But for Baltimore, they're looking to get those guys back and make a run because they were the top seed in the AFC through 12 weeks at 11 and three before their six game losing streak. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in. When we get back here tomorrow, I'll be diving into more NFL content with your Tuesday host. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We will see you right back here tomorrow.